So, which one of those do you struggle with more? Which one of those do you identify with more? I guess it should be the right answer. I, I know for me, it was definitely the guy who was working out running up the stairs. That just seems insurmountable. Maybe it was eating broccoli. Uh, maybe it was cutting up your credit card. I, I've seen people cry when they cut up their credit cards. <clears throat> Whatever it is, you know, this is the time of year we think about making some improvements, some changes in our lives, maybe setting some goals for our lives. Well, what's interesting about today's message is this is going to be a, a message for those of you who are goal setters and those of you who are not goal setters. Uh, you know that we have two different kinds of people, and you probably identify with one of them, or at least you will identify with one of them, and chances are you're really proud of, of the person that you are. What's interesting about goal setters and non-goal setters is they tend to get married, and that creates some really interesting and maybe some challenging conversations in your relationship. I know when my wife and I, my wife Tanya, who's sitting over there, the beautiful brunette, uh, when we got married, we've been married for about 13 years. Um, I, I'm a goal setter. I like to create lists and, and write goals, but I, I'm not the best at accomplishing the goals. My wife was not a goal setter. She just is steady and consistent and keeps moving and keeps making headway. Um, so every year we, we create goals for ourselves. We started this tradition. We drive to see my family in Pennsylvania, and on the ride back, we talk about what our goals are for this coming year, and, and we, we make sure we, we you know, collaborated and agree on a few of them. Then we have our personal goals. Uh, but the first year we started this, I remember driving down and saying, hey, here's what I want to do this trip. I want to talk about our goals for the next year. And you could just see you know, the, the infamous <laughs> eye roll, and I don't want to do this. This is stupid. You're not going to do it anyway. And I'm, no, 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 we're going to create goals. We're going to write goals down. So we started, we, we started writing some goals down, and this trip turned into the worst trip of our marriage. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, screaming and crying and, and agony, and about halfway through the trip, she looked over and said, Jim, would you stop crying and pull yourself together and man up a little bit? <clears throat> um, we, we have some challenges. We like to create goals, and, and including this new year, we, we want to talk about what those goals are. We, we talk about resolutions, if you will. The, the title of this message is called Better, right? That's obvious. But if there was a subtitle or maybe a promise to the message, the promise would be this, how to have a better year than last year. How do we have a better year in 2020 than we had in 2019? And that's saying a lot, right? I mean, that maybe it bring up some good memories for you and some good ideas for you, maybe some bad things for you. But before we can kind of move forward with how to have a better year this year than last year, we kind of have to set the foundation and answer a question. And this question is going to be challenging for some of you. Maybe it'll be positive for a few of you. But I want you to know, I know this is going to be a little bit challenging. The question is this. How was last year? How was last year for you? Some of you might say, hey, Jim, when you talk about having a better year this year than last year, that's going to be really hard because last year was awesome. Last year was tremendous. And if that's you, fantastic. I hope this year is even better. But my guess is for a few of us, we're going to say, Jim, I couldn't wait for 2020 to close. I couldn't wait to close that door and move on. Like so many bad things, challenging things, awful things happen, and I'm, I'm ready. I'm hoping what you're saying is true, and, and this year is going to be better than last year. What, what I find really interesting is that for most of us, it's a little bit of both, isn't it? There were some really good highs last year and some really awesome things that were done, maybe some accomplishments, some successes, and then there were, there were some really awful challenges. Maybe we lost one. Maybe life didn't go the way we thought it was going to go. Wherever you find yourself, and, and this is what's really interesting, is that whether you're a goal setter or not a goal setter, whether you're, you're a Christian who's been going to church for years or you've never gone to church before, this is your first Sunday, and this was you know, day one of your New Year's resolution to figure this God thing out. We can all kind of apply this. Wherever you are in your spiritual journey, we can all kind of apply what we're going to talk about this morning. Here's something I want you to know. As a church, as a group of people, as a pastor, this is what we believe. We believe that better is possible. We do. We think that, that better is possible. No matter what kind of year you had, if it was an awful year, the good news is better is possible. 
If it was a great, great year for you, the good news is better is even possible for you. It's possible. And we didn't come up with that on our own. This isn't some weird humanistic philosophy. We just want to cheer everyone up and send you out and, you know, you can fail and come back next week all, all depressed. <clears throat> That's not what it is. We got this from the greatest man who ever lived. We talk about him every week from Jesus. Jesus was questioned, well, Jesus, why are you here? Why did you come to earth? And he gives us this amazing answer in John 10, 10. He says this, I have come that they, when he says they, he's talking about you, me, we, us. He says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. That they wouldn't just experience a life on earth that everyone else experiences with hardships and, and, and awkwardness and, and letdowns and failures but that they would experience life to the fullest, that you would figure out how to make life work and work to the best for you. Another translation says that they might have life and have it more abundantly, right? That you might experience all that there is to life, that all of the good and all of the joy, all of the happiness and all of the love, Jesus wants that for you. Your heavenly father wants that for you. We have this saying that we, we talk about in church all the time, that if you decide to follow Jesus, your savior, that if you follow Jesus, he will make your, your life better, and make you better at life. We do believe that, that following Jesus makes your life amazingly better now. But the, the awesome thing is that he also gives you the tools and the skills and everything you need to make your life better so that you become better at living the life you've always wanted. How do we know that? How do you, how do you know this is true? Because I, as a, an imperfect earthly father, I want this for my kids. I want 2020 to be the best year they've ever experienced. And I believe you have a, a perfect heavenly father. And, and if an imperfect earthly father wants this for, for his kids, how much more does a perfect heavenly father want this for you, his kids? How much more would he give you good gifts and good things and say, I want this year to be the best year it could ever be. I want you to have life and have it to its full. I want you to experience all that life would bring for you. So when we think about this, when we think about the life we could have, the life living it to its full, and we think about our New Year's resolutions and some of the challenges that are before us, we kind of have some decisions to make. Here's what we're going to do this morning. I'm going to teach you a principle. I think it's a really simple principle, but it's a principle that if we would learn to apply to our lives, it would change our entire year. It would change really how we live our life. And then we're going to look at the problem to this principle because there's always a problem. There's something that stands in the way from us doing the things we set out to do. That's why everyone creates New Year's resolutions, and then by February, March, April, the resolutions are, are kind of gone. And then after the problem, we're going to look to our Savior. This is like the best part about it, to, to the Savior who gives us the good news, who says, here's the way to overcome the problem, to, to, to kind of fulfill and live and move into the life you've always wanted to live. But, but there's some responsibility here, right? There's kind of two pieces of responsibility. First, I need to teach you the principle. But, but the second is you need to kind of identify an area of your life where you want to see things improve. I'm going to give you five areas of life. This isn't an exhaustive list. This is just a list where I kind of think of when, when people create New Year's resolutions, when people have challenges, when they're looking for help, it has to do with usually one of these five areas. And here's the five things, right? Financial, relational, physical, career, spiritual. But when we think about these challenges, when we think about areas of our life that we want to make improvements, when we think about New Year's resolutions, it almost always comes back to something in this list, doesn't it? it it's, it's really interesting to me. And here's, here's what I want. Here's the challenge to you. I want you to pick one of these areas, just one, and say, Jim, I, I think this is an area I want to make some improvements. This is an area where I I've maybe have lost some momentum in 2019, but in 2020, I want to make some improvements. This is an area where I, I've struggled and I'd like to see myself get better at. This is an area where, where, where perhaps I, I failed. 
and I'd like to succeed. Now, for you goal setters, if you're anything like me, my guess is you've already created a, a goal for every one of these on the list. The challenge for you is pick one, just one. You can have those other goals and you can work on them later. I want you to just focus on one of these things today. Well, what are one of these areas, right? We, we talk about financial life. Like, you know, last year, my spending far outpaced my savings. That's not a good trajectory to have. I, I need to course correct. Maybe it's, it's relational. A relationship fell apart or, or it's beginning to fall apart and I want to fix that. I want to I be a better dad. I want to be a better mom or a better, I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better friend. Maybe it's physical. Maybe like the guy in the video, you got to eat the broccoli. You got to run up the stairs and start working out. And, you know, we get some momentum going into the year, but then it begins to fade away a little bit. Maybe it's career. Maybe you need to learn to take some criticism better. Maybe you need to, 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 to put all of your effort into seeing your career build. <clears throat> Maybe you need to go and start the job or in the business you've always wanted to start. Maybe it's spiritual. Maybe a goal for you this year, resolution, is to read the Bible every day, to talk to Jesus every day, to grow in your relationship with God. Here's the good news. Without even realizing it, you've already, by being here today, you've already put into practice a biblical principle, which is as we draw near to God, he draws near to us. My guess is we could each find something in one of these areas, couldn't we? We look at this list and we think, yeah, Jim, there's something there. I can identify with that. I want to be a better dad. Who doesn't want to be a better dad? I want to have more money in my savings than I have you know, on my credit card bill. <clears throat> Who doesn't want that? But what do I do? How do I change that? How do I fix this? That's what we want to address this morning. You see, when we look at this list of things that we talk about, our resolutions, we typically start like most people do, but then over time, we kind of lose some momentum, don't we? What I want to talk about really, this principle, this first thing I want to address to you is it's kind of an answer to that. The principle is called this. It's called the consistency effect. All right, the consistency effect simply says this, that small things done consistently over time lead to big things. Small things done consistently over time lead to big things. <clears throat> there's good news and there's bad news to this, right? The bad news is this, that this works negatively. That small negative things, that small bad decisions, small negative things done over time lead to big negative things. We see this to be true, don't we? Nobody's going to wake up tomorrow morning and say, you know, January 6, 2020, I'm going to ruin my life today. <laughs> Nobody does that. But over the course of time, through bad decisions, through small decisions, what we end up seeing is somebody's life's been out of control. We've all seen it. And we know it wasn't a wake up in the morning and they, the life just became a disaster. It was small decision after small decision after small decision that led to something big happening. But here's the good news. This works positively as well. That every positive decision you make, small positive decisions over time, have big, tremendous effects. Small things have big effects. You see, what's interesting is this whole idea of consistency, it kind of loses some credibility. It really gets no focus at the beginning of the year. At the beginning of the year, there's another word that kind of pops into our mind, and that's commitment, isn't it? We talk about New Year's resolutions, and I'm going to commit to that exercise plan, and I'm going to commit to that budget, and I'm going to commit to you know, eating healthy or whole, whatever it might be. You see, commitment is, is a good thing. I'm, I'm not knocking commitment. Commitment will get you to the starting line. Commitment will get you to January, and that's important. You need to start somewhere. But consistency, consistency will get you to the finish line. Commitment's a good start. But as we've seen with everybody who makes a New Year's resolution, days, weeks, months, some of you hours, and then we fail. Why? Because we don't have the consistency. 
Consistency, small things done over time, produce big changes. And that'll get you to the finish line. That'll get you to July, to October, to December, into 2021. Here's an illustration for this. This I got from an author named David Bach. He wrote a book called The Latte Effect. And before we jump into that, I want to say, if you're sipping on a latte, this, I'm not knocking lattes. I like lattes. I love coffee. Um, if you're watching at home and you're sipping on a latte, this isn't knocking lattes. This is simply an illustration uh, of how something small can have a big effect. So this guy wrote a book called The, the Latte Effect, and he basically <coughs> says this, that a, a latte, say generally speaking, costs about $3.50. All right, that might be a little high for some of you, maybe a little low, depending on where, you're, where you get your coffee. We'll just say generally speaking, a latte is about three fifty. Now, you buy that every single day. He would say, if you took that three fifty and instead of buying a latte, you decided to invest that in a mutual fund day in and day out with about a 6% return, that after about 30 years, you'd get $106,000. So his, his point is basically this. That latte isn't three fifty. That latte is $106,000. Now, all of you latte drinkers, before you start throwing things at me, I know what you're thinking. Jim, that's no lattes for 30 years. I'm not knocking lattes. This is just an illustration. But his point is this, that something small over time can have a tremendous effect on us. That something small over time can produce and, and yield great results, big results. Here's another illustration. Here's, there's a jar of marbles up here. You can see this jar. <clears throat> this represents every day and every decision of 2020 for us. This is, this is an empty jar. This is what, what we're actually going to have accomplished. And the idea is that as we make these New Year's resolutions, as we set these goals, as we talk about what we want to see in 2020, that as we do them, like as we eat the broccoli, we take a marble from this jar and, you know, we did the good thing. We ate the broccoli. And then we, you know, we went to the gym. And, you know, instead of getting on our phone on social media, when we got home, we, we spent some time playing with our kids. <clears throat> and we took our wife on a date night. And I woke up and I read the Bible this morning. And then I, I, I got serious about my career. I showed up on time when he asked me to show up. And I actually did what he asked me to do. I get two marbles for that. <clears throat> and, and then, you know, what's, what's another one? Then, <clears throat> then uh, um, I prayed. And, and then I, I went to church. Then I went to the gym. And little by little, as we begin to make decisions, this jar begins to fill up with marbles. And the more marbles that are on this side of the jar dictates how well this year is going to be. And our job is really to decide how do we get more marbles from this jar into this jar so that at the end of the first quarter and second quarter, third, by the end of the year, that this jar is now full of marbles and full of good decisions. You see, we only get there with consistency. Commitment's a good start, but commitment usually fades off after a few weeks. See, what's interesting, what I find really interesting is that, is that as we kind of make these decisions and we kind of walk through this process, we all kind of, kind of give up somewhere along the way, don't we? It's like our strength just runs out. Like if I have to eat one more piece of broccoli, if I have to go and, and run on the treadmill for one more minute, if I, just, if I can't buy one thing on Amazon for another week, if, if I've got to show up and, and like be present for my kids and not watch the show on Netflix I want to watch, like I don't know what I'm going to do. And then our strength gives up. And the marbles stop transferring. And this year becomes the same as last year, and the year before that, and the year before that. Because we've tried in our strength, and our strength has failed. You see, really, as we kind of identified these areas of improvement in our lives, from that list, as we've identified the areas of improvement, we've often identified an area of weakness, don't we? 
this is where I tend to struggle. I, 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 you know, I'm not in control of my eating. I don't like waking up early and reading, and that's tough. And I'm praying, reading and praying about somebody I can't even see. And, you know, why should I spend so much energy fixing my relationship? He or she's not, not putting any effort into it themselves. It's an area of weakness. And before you, you beat yourself up, here's what you need to know. We all have weaknesses, right? We all start the year off and make some goals. We all identify areas of our life where we'd like to see some improvement. And every time we do, we're saying, here's an area where I want to improve. Here's an area of weakness. But what's really interesting about these areas of weaknesses, instead of being honest and open about it, what do we do? We have a tendency to compensate for them, don't we? We have a tendency to hide our weaknesses. If somebody has a problem spending and, and, and they're, they're going into debt, what, what, what I typically counsel people, do you know what I find? They spend to cover up the idea that they don't have any money. Well, I don't want to look like I'm broke, so I'm just going to keep spending. And you just keep digging a bigger hole. The guy whose relationship and marriage is falling apart. I don't want to go and have the challenging conversation with my wife. I'm just going to work harder. The guy who has to get healthy, well, I'll do that next year. I'll just, I'll, you know, I'll just put it off. I miss January 2nd, so, you know, I guess 2021. <clears throat> and instead of being honest about our weaknesses, we hide and we compensate for them. But here's the question we need to answer. If we really want this year to be the best year yet, which I, I do believe with all of my heart is possible for you, is there an area? Is there an area in your life where you need greater consistency? My guess is for all of us, we'd say, yeah, there's at least one. Is it possible then that that area is a weakness? Yeah, Jim, but I don't want to talk about that. This is the new year. It's supposed to cheer me up and send me out. This sounds depressing. Here's the good news. God wants to help. God isn't looking at your life and saying, man, you failed, you let me down, you're never going to get this right. God sees your weakness and he wants to help. He's like a good heavenly father. He's saying, just, just bring it to me. Let me help. When you're weak, he says, I can be strong. See, we, we learn that in, in the scripture. There's a guy we talk about in the scripture, his name is the Apostle Paul. And what's, what's interesting to me, when we talk about these, these apostles and the disciples, we, we kind of talk about them like they're just these amazing like pillars of faith. They, just, they didn't do anything wrong. They're, they're heroes. They're superheroes, right? We kind of deify them like, like these guys are just perfect. Did you know there are people in the Bible that aren't perfect? There are people in the Bible who actually have made more mistakes than you've made. There are people in the Bible who have lived worse lives than you've ever lived. One of those guys, his name's the Apostle Paul. He's like the legend, right? He wrote half the New Testament. He started churches. He was a church planner all around the, like the, the Mediterranean Rim. It would be safe for us to say on this side of the world that if it wasn't for the Apostle Paul, we wouldn't be meeting here talking about Jesus and singing songs about Jesus. That all of that extends from the work that he started. This guy, the Apostle Paul, when he talks about his life, do you know what he says? He says, I, I'm the chief among sinners, or he's basically saying this, that if you were to kind of categorize a list of sinners and you're going to put sinners in order, I'm not at the bottom like with the good people. I'm at the top. I'm the worst of the worst. There isn't a sinner. There isn't a person alive who sinned better than me. I'm the best at sinning. And I got to be honest with you. If I'm being completely fair, he's got a point. He did horrible, horrible things. He was the chief among sinners. And then he has this conversation that's recorded in the book of Corinth as he's kind of writing through this challenge he has, these weaknesses he suffers. He, he describes it in, in one verse as a thorn in the flesh. And that word thorn is, is actually a New Testament language for, for like a tent stake. 
Paul's a tent maker, right? He, he builds and he sews tents. And he said, it's kind of like this weakness, this issue I have, this, this ailment. It's like a, a tent stake in my side and it hurts and it's agonizing and I want it out of my life. This weakness of mine. And then he, he says this to the church in Corinth. He says, but when I'm weak, I'm strong. And we read that and we think, are you an idiot? Like that, that makes no sense. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Like, like Paul, that, that's an oxymoron. They don't go together. What do you mean by that? And Paul's saying, here's what I mean. That in my weakness, in my weakest moments, I have learned to be strong by relying on someone else's strength, on God's strength. That in the moments where that thorn in the flesh seems like it's going to do me in and I failed and I've made mistakes and I've made a disaster of my life or of my year, that I've learned to draw strength from my father. Because when I'm weak, I'm strong. See, it, it, it's interesting. It's like an oxymoron. It's two words that mean the opposite that come together to form another word, like another phrase. We have those in our language. Right? We, we, have you ever heard of jumbo shrimp? It doesn't make any sense to me, but apparently we have jumbo shrimp. How about this one? How about pretty ugly? Two, two opposite words come together. How, how about this? Utah jazz. I had people ask me, well, why is that an oxymoron? If you don't know why that's an oxymoron, I can't explain it to you in the service. But jazz does not come from Utah. I, I had someone tell me, you know what you should say? You should say a, a short message preacher. <laughs> you guys are building some steam? You're rolling with me? All right. It's an oxymoron. It doesn't make any sense. They, they shouldn't go together. Paul, you're, you're telling us about your weakness, and, and we're reading this, and we're like, but this is from the legend. This is from the man. Like, you wrote the New Testament. How are you weak? Paul says, I'm weak. I, 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 have, I have moments of failure. I do things I don't want to do all the time. And, and we see that. We see Paul say, for, for when I am weak, and, and what we often think is, yeah, but this just kind of explains my weeks. Really, it, it just kind of explains my life. I, I feel that way. Every day. You talk about making bad decisions. I make bad decision after bad decision after bad decision. You talk about ruining my life. I feel like I've ruined my life and maybe even, even the people around me. Paul, this isn't like, this isn't like a, a once in a while thing. This is my life. And Paul said, yeah, no kidding. And every day you need to be able to find an answer. So what do we do? What do we do when we've identified areas of our life where we know we're weak, where we continue to fail, and we want to see improvement, but we don't know how? We try and we fail, and we try and we fail. Our strength runs out. What do we do? And we're going to find the answer in the next few verses. There's this three-step approach that I think Paul teaches us here that if we were to apply it to our life, apply it to 2019, or sorry, 2020, that this could be the best year ever. But Paul says this. He starts off this conversation with the church in Corinth. This is verse 9. He says, but he, and he's talking about God. He's letting us in on this conversation he's having with God about this thorn in the flesh. Essentially, he's come to God and he's complaining. I'm sick of feeling this way. I'm sick of this weakness. I'm sick of failing God. But he, but God, says to me, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. God, that's really not the answer I want. I was hoping you were just going to take it away. Therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. What do we do 
when we've identified areas of our life that we can say are weaknesses, areas that we want to see improvement and we don't know how to fix them. Paul says, Here, here's step one. I'm going to highlight this, this verse for you. He says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses. You see, what's interesting is when we find areas of our life that are weak, we cover it up. We don't want to talk about it. Don't shine a light there. Don't look over there. That, that's my weakness. That's, that's the area I'm not good at. Look at the things I'm good at. Paul says, no, 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 you guys got it all wrong. Here's step one. Boast. Boast about your weaknesses. Admit your weakness. Admit that you can't, make it, that you can't do it on your own. Admit that you continually make mistakes. You want to know how to start the process of overcoming this hurdle of suffering in our own strength, of our strength running out? Admit it. Hey, God, I stink at this. I know you've known for a while, but now I want you to know that I know. And now that God knows that you know, he's like, okay, now I can do something. Stop hiding it. Stop pretending like it's not there. Boast. Admit your weakness. Paul shows us that our weaknesses are opportunities for us to get closer to God. Because it's in our weakness that God's strength is made whole or made perfect. That's why Paul says, for when I'm weak, I'm strong. Because when I'm weak and I can go to God, God says, here's my strength. Your strength will run out, but here's mine. Admit. Boast. Admit your weakness. Step two. He says this, my, <clears throat> my grace. Right? This is what God says to him about his weakness, his thorn in the side. My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. If step one was to admit, to kind of boast about it, step two is grace. It's to ask for help. And that's what grace is. It's free help. It's help you don't deserve, but God's saying, here it is. All I want to do is help you. I grew up in the church. I was actually in church nine months before I was born. I went to church like every Sunday, on Friday, Wednesday, then I went to Bible college. Then I worked at churches before I started this church. Like church has been my life. I, I turned 40 last week. I've been in church for over 40 years, believe it or not. So I, I've been around. I've heard all of, all of the Christian talk and all the Christian arguments. One of the phrases that I hear often that, that I think is super destructive <clears throat> that I don't think people realize is, is this phrase here. People often say, Jim, as a Christian, I know I shouldn't be struggling with this, but I am. As a Christian, I know I shouldn't be dealing with this, but I am. Because that indicates, like, like God's sitting here saying, no, no, you're all supposed to be perfect and never struggle with anything. And when you do struggle, what happens? I, I get upset. I get angry. I'm, I'm disappointed in you. I expected more out of you. But that's not at all God's reaction. You see, we messed up, and what was God's reaction? Judgment, condemnation, or grace? See, that's why Jesus came. When he was questioned, why did he come? His, his answer wasn't to judge you, to make you feel bad, to step on you when you do something wrong. It was, no, no, I, I've come to give you life. I've come to give you the best life you could ever have. You see, here's the truth about this. We will never believe God's grace is sufficient for us until we believe we are insufficient. That's what Paul's saying. Guys, I'm insufficient. I'm not good enough. Yeah, I started churches. Yeah, I'm writing half the New Testament. I'm insufficient. I fail and I'm weak and I make mistakes time and time and time again. Do we have the honesty? Do we have the awareness to admit we're insufficient? You see, this is another one of those oxymoron things, but this is something I've noticed. It takes a really strong person 
to admit that they're actually a weak person. It takes a lot of strength for someone to come forward and say, here's my issue. Here's where I'm struggling. Would you help? Paul's saying that's step two. You got to admit that you have a weakness and then you got to ask God for some help. Here's the beautiful part. Your heavenly father is dying to help. Paul goes on in his conversation with the church of Corinth. He says, For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses and insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. He says, For then, when I am weak, I'm strong. You can go back to that slide for me. Look at these five things. Weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities. You know what we call that? Life. Right? Who hasn't experienced any of these things? We all have weaknesses. At some point, you've been insulted. If you haven't, wait a while. It's coming. Hardships happen all the time. Persecutions, you're picked on. It, it, it happens every day. Calamity, something bad happened that shouldn't have happened, that you didn't want to happen. Paul said, we all are going to experience these, but here's, here's the hope. Here's the good news. Here's why we follow Jesus. Because in these moments, when we feel weak, when we feel utterly like we're at the end, he says, when I'm weak, then I am strong. You have to admit you're weak. You have to ask God for help. And then here's, here's the thing. You have to receive it daily. You have to receive God's strength daily. That's step three. He wants to strengthen you. He wants you to be consistent. He wants you, whatever your goal might be, to lose weight, to get healthy so you're there for your kids in 30 years, to, to get on a financial plan so you're not going into debt and you can't provide for your family. To take care of your relationships and be a better father, a better mother, a better hu husband. To, to take your spiritual life seriously. Maybe grow in God. Maybe come to church every Sunday. Maybe just know a little bit more about Jesus and what he wants for you. To take your career seriously. To start the business you've always wanted to start. He cares about all those things. And he says, you start these things and, and, and you fail because you're doing it in your own strength. See, here's the thing. Your strength will run out. His strength won't. His strength never, ever runs out. And when God's strength and his power consistently meet our weaknesses, you know what happens? We grow, and we grow, and we grow. And that's the point. That's our mission, to lead you into a growing relationship with Jesus so that you would continue to grow and grow and experience all that he has for you, to experience life on this earth to its fullest and then life everlasting to come. That's what we want. But this next thing I'm going to tell you, I, I, if you're here, I, I, this is the thing you can't miss. If you're here for the first time, maybe this is the reason God brought you to church this Sunday so that you would hear this. When it comes to your weakness, when it comes to, to the areas you failed in, your persecutions, whatever it might be, God is not disappointed in you. He's not disappointed in you. He wants to help you. He's a perfect heavenly father who's not sitting there with judgment in his eyes. He's sitting there with love in his eyes saying, let me help. I, I, I can make this year better than it was last year. I can help you accomplish those goals. I can help you be a better father. I can help you be a better spouse. I can help you get in control of your physical life and be healthy. I can help you get on a financial plan. I can give you the strength where you've had no strength before. Will you let me help? So here's what we're going to do. There's two things I want to do as we close. 
I'm going to challenge you. These are the two challenges I want to put before you. Paul says, here's what you do. When you've identified the areas of your life where you would say, I'm weak, that this is an area I want to make an improvement, here's my New Year's resolution, however you want to word it, I've decided this year I'm going to do this. Paul says, here's what you have to do. The first thing you have to do is you have to boast. Right? You have to admit your weakness. Then you have to rely on grace. You have to ask God for help. And then the beautiful part, you get to receive it. God said, my strength is for you. And when you're weak, I'll be strong. But, but, but here, here's the kicker. And this is, this is the, the, the first of, of the two challenges. You can't do this alone. You can't. You were never meant to do it alone. Maybe that's the reason year in and year out we fail. Because you've tried. And you tried. And you tried. You, you know the definition of insanity? To do the same thing over and over again and expect different results? I don't want to insult you this morning, but, you know, the shoe fits. <laughs> Maybe it's because you've been trying on your own. You know, you know how people get in shape? They go and they work with a, a personal trainer. They meet with a dietitian. You know how people get in control of their finances? They meet with a financial planner. They sit with somebody who knows a little more than them, and they ask questions. Maybe the key to your success this year, to make this year the best year it can be, is to not do it alone. And the simplest way to do that here. It's to get in a small group. Join a small group and do life with people. People who care about you, who love you, who want to see you succeed. So when you're ready to go off the rails, when, when commitment has kind of reached its peak and your strength is tapped out and you're ready to stop putting marbles from this jar into this jar and say, I'm out, then people surround you and say, no, no, no. D don't forget, God is for you. He wants to help you. We're here for you. Let us help. Come on, let, let's do this together. Let's go to the gym. Let's watch your budget. I'm going to teach you how to be a better husband or a better wife. Like, like you, you got to try. Don't give up. Don't stop reading the Bible. Let's do this together. Don't do it alone. And, and here, here's what my challenge is for you. If you're not in a small group and you want to be in a small group, just ask one of our guest service volunteers, how do I get into a small group? This is no commitment. You're, you're not joining a group. You don't have to meet tonight and you know, you're going to be tied into this group of people for 10 years. It's not at all. You're simply asking a question. If I were to choose to be in a small group, how would I do, go about that? And they'll help. In a few weeks, we're kicking off some new small groups. Get in one. If you can't find a fit here, start one. We've had, we have guys that started their own group and meet every Saturday. Find a way to do life with people because you were never meant to do life alone. That's the first challenge. Here's the second one, and this one's a, a, a little bit... Of a bigger challenge. I'm going to teach you a prayer. It's, it's a very simple prayer, but it's a prayer that I believe if we could make it a part of our life every day, we would see some big results here. It, it, it's a simple prayer, but I, I believe it has the ability to make this year better than last year. You see, it is possible. It is possible for this year to be better than last year. You have to, to boost or boast, rather, uh, about your weaknesses. You have to admit them. You have to ask for help. That's grace. You have to receive God's strength. And here's how we're going to do that. I'm going to teach you this prayer. This prayer is simply this. Lord, I need you. Please give me your strength for today. And on your way out this morning, you're going to receive a marble. It's a real cool-looking blue marble. <clears throat> I want you to take that marble, and I want you to put it wherever you're going to see it every day. Put it on your dresser. Put it in the bathroom. Glue it to your dashboard. Put it on your computer. Wherever you have to put it. And every day when you see this marble, let it remind you of this prayer. 
Lord, I, I need you. I'm admitting my weakness. I need you. Please give me your strength. That's asking for help. Give me your strength for today. And that allows God to come into your weakness and to perfect his strength in you. Lord, God, I, I need you. Would you give me your strength for today? L Lord, I, I want to be a better husband and a better father. But I don't know how to do it. Would you give me your strength for today? God, I, I, I want to I take care of myself. I want to be there when my kids get married and when my grandkids are born. But, but I keep trying and I keep failing and I don't know how to do it. My, my strength runs out. Would you give me your strength for today? God, I want to get in control of my financial life. I, I don't want to live in debt. I don't want to live with that pressure. I want to sleep peacefully at night. But every year I go further in the hole. Would you, would you teach me, Lord? Would you give me your strength for today? And little by little, every morning, we say that prayer. And the marbles begin to pile up. And little things turn into big things. And eventually, first quarter, second quarter, end of the year, this jar is full of all the things that God has done. And you'll look back and you'll say, what a testimony. What a story God wrote through my life. This year truly has been a better year than the year before. But the key is not to do it in your strength. It's to do it in his. Your strength will run out. His never will. Would you make this year the best year ever? Would you, would you believe that better is possible? Would you admit your weakness? Would you ask God for help? And would you begin to receive that strength daily and say this prayer over and over? Lord, I need you. Please give me your strength for today. Just so you don't forget. Would you say it with me before you go? Ready? Lord, I need you. Please give me your strength. Heavenly Father, God, I am so grateful for another opportunity, God, to start this year off focused on you, God, and what you want to do in our lives and through us. God, each of us have goals, each of us have ideas about how we can make this year better than next year. But God, I, I pray that we would actually, God, move past the commitment stage into the consistency, that it would be something we do every day, that we remind ourselves, God, I really do want to be the best that I can be. God, I, I want to get in control of my life. I want to get in control of my spending or of my eating or of my relationships, of my career. God, I, I want to get in control of my spiritual life. I want to know you and your plans for me. God, and as we begin to move forward in that, would you give us your strength? God, as ours begins to run out, would you come into our weakness and would you be strong? And would you help us to be consistent? God, would you help us make 2020 the best year it could be? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. As Jim said, over the next couple of weeks, we'll be rolling out some more information on some new small groups that are starting up as well as uh, some room opening up in the ladies' small group if you're interested in that. So we'll be getting that information out to you in the next couple weeks. But be thinking about that. Is, do you have time in your life? Can you carve out a little bit of extra time to join a small group to make that a priority in your life for this year? And we hope that you do. Don't forget, we'll have some marbles in the back. I know you can hear them rummaging around back there. They're excited to give them to you. So uh, would you stand with me? I hope you have a wonderful week, and we'll see you next time.